Queen Maisies. There is literally nothing fascinating about this film. I uh, I <clears throat> went on IMDb and and again I only thought about it about half an hour ago. Okay, so there's nothing. I yeah. should put my phone back on flight mode again, man. I was literally like, oh, maybe I should check or do some kind of research. There was one fact that actually did shock me, but it'll come up in, in the process. Okay. What was it that someone actually tried to make a good effort with it? I was shocked and appalled to find out who had actually written the songs for it. Oh, dear. Be careful when you walk alone in the woods. You just might stumble onto something very special. I'll, I'll bet you're surprised to see a gnome. <laughs> what? The gnome? He's got a simply awful problem. With last of the gnomes. There's no gnome maidens for me to marry up with. Join Walter Brennan in the magical musical search for a gnome bride. The, the adventure never stops in Walt Disney's Gnomobile. Hello and welcome to Without a Mouse, the podcast where we watch and review the obscure and forgotten Disney films on the hunt for a hidden gem. Live action Disney film. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> do you want to go again or do you want that to no, be the take? No, that'll do. I try, get, fuck it, yeah. I try getting two episodes a time. <laughs> it's my turn to host. Hello, I'm Chris and I'm joined by Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi. How are you doing today? Oh, it's been a day. Uh, I've already told you off air, but... Um, We've lost our gecko today. Yeah, that's. I woke up this morning and found that Kirsty had left the um, the tank door open all night. We've scoured the house, we lifted everything up, torn everything upside down, and still can't find the bastard. So it could be literally anywhere at yeah. the minute. So yeah, not not a great day. At least he, at least save there won't be any vacuuming done for the next couple of days. No. Oh, and then I nearly killed a massive um, caterpillar when I was out mowing the lawn today. And for a split second, I thought it it was so big, I thought it was the gecko. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. So, so that had me panicking. Oh, dear. Um, and then I've got a bite on my leg, which is really sore and horrible. Well, because the gecko bit you with a leg while you were asleep. No, completely unrelated, but just it's it's adding to my list of things that have pissed me off this week. Oh, fair enough. Or specifically fine. today. Yeah. Anyway, what's up with you? Um, the main thing that pissed me off was I was going to have a whole skit for this episode. Or saying that with the timing, I would have... I was going to do the introduction and then say, but this is a surprise episode because you had no idea what was going on. So if you remember the last episode, if you've not edited out, I got a really awkward reference into flyers for the show. You did? I did. And I got them made. You didn't? I I did. I I, I designed the front and back. I'll send them to you later on. Oh, know, This is all legit. Yeah. And I decided, like an idiot, just uh, find like a company online to make them. Yeah. And so I went with a company called 360 Online Print. Right. Who, they charged about £10 for the flyers themselves and like another £10 for delivery. Expected delivery date, August 13th. Great, fantastic. Yeah. 13th happens, then 14th, then 15th. Then I'm like, where the fuck are they? So I emailed them, and they got back to me on Tuesday saying, oh yeah, there's been a great big error, it will get made for you now. And I'm like, well, no, it's way too late now. Yeah. If they've got the price of a delivery now, you know, I want a refund. 
Yeah. So they responded to me saying, well, instead of a refund, do you want twice the amount of credit in your account? I'm like, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> hey, if using you for the first time was a shit experience, why would I come back to you yeah. again? How weird. They've not responded to me, but so far they've forwarded their complaint to the Dutch department because I got an email in Dutch saying this has been uh, handed on to the person responsible for this complaint. Right. So there's a PayPal dispute in. I'm down 21 quid at a minute. Oh, that's fucking awful. I'm very annoyed because I was yeah. going to go, here's some flyers. Now go to that London Podcast Festival and fly the shit out of us. Well, to be fair, you've still got another three weeks till the festival. So if you find any other supplier oh. <laughs> with a better courier. I, I might just have a go up buying some early posh paper and doing it on the uh, work printer when no one's looking. Talking about issues with them um, computers and stuff, that, that you just reminded me of another thing that's pissed me off this week. We're recruiting for new carers for my sister, uh, so we put an advert on Indeed, uh, a paid advert, oh, yeah. um, and they've locked our account this morning. Right. Uh, so that's my second locked account. Any the- reason they've locked it? Um... They have not specified the reason, but I have a feeling it's kind of partly because we're not technically a business. Right, okay. So I think it's for sort of them protecting themselves and... They think you're a brothel. Yeah, they, we, they think we're either a murderer or something like that, because we can't officially say what our business is. Right, okay. So uh, that could be it. Or the other thing was um, they talk a, a lot in the setup about non-discriminatory practices yeah but um we obviously can't hire any male members mm. of staff because i've got a... yeah not, so so not very appropriate is it so yesterday i um rejected every male candidate on the app so maybe the algorithm decided that i was sexist right okay for, for deleting for rejecting a hundred percent of All men male. and um replying to a hundred percent of the women mm. So either or. They haven't officially told me what the issue is, but I think it's either yeah. of those. I won't mind, but if you were at BBC, you'd be celebrated. I'm all right, lads. Ah, boo. But yeah, that's why this is a Guinness uh, day for recording. I should have cracked open a monster. Well, I've got some cans of um, Aldi's energy drink, if you want one of them. Mm, better not. No, it's sugar-free it's, anyway. It's, it's right in my stomach. <laughs> but um, on the happy note... Let's get one happy note out yeah, of the way, because we're not getting it with a film. Spoiler. Yeah. So, um, we finally managed to find the Lego minifigures that I bought a million years ago yep. for the podcast. Episode 6, I yep. think. We opened them the other day. Um, Kirsty got Frozone from um, The Incredibles, yep. and I got Huey, Dewey, and or Louie. <laughs> the green one. The green one, uh, which was supposed to only come with one flashlight, but he actually came with two in his bag, so he's got... Oh. One in each hand. Um, but yeah, so you, you've got one. But but you can't guess where I put it. Up your ass. No, it was literally in that drawer right next to you the whole time. The whole time. I apparently never thought that's where I could have placed it. Is there a gecko in there? <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> Chris is now just opening my drawers at random. It's a good job there's nothing uh, inappropriate in them for him to find. Oh, flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, which I keep by the recording equipment. Of course. <laughs> the, these aren't microphones we're talking into. 
<laughs> no, that's my other uh, my other side business. There's a more interesting stuff in that cupboard. That's that's a game video game cupboard. Oh, yeah. I saw this for the other month when we had oh, a yeah, games of course day. You did, yeah, yeah. yeah, with uh, Nintendo Land. It really needs sorting out. It's very untidy. I really it? need to come back and play more Nintendo Land, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, here you go. Here's your minifigure right. to open. Now, the day or week I'm having, I bet you it's the same one I had last time, which was Chip, I think, for, for one for Red Nose. I hope it's the I hope it's Dale for you. Let's complete the set. Oh, it's Jasmine. Oh, so we got two Jasmines, but one's Kirsty's. So. Yeah, so... No, wait, one's mine, I think. It? it all works out at the end. Yeah. Let me just quickly... Oh, now her head's twisted. Uh I'll do it later. <laughs> Don't want another episode of you. minutes and minutes of a silence that you have to edit out. So here we go then. Thanks, thanks again for your uh, brilliant picking skills. Oh, God, I need to save me for myself early. <laughs> I mean, I just thought recently after we've chosen a lot more mainstream stuff, which sort of goes against the obscure and forgotten live-action films. Yeah, Disney films. There we go. So I went with Gnomemobile because I saw the picture on YouTube uh, when I had to watch another film on YouTube the other week, which was... Was it Now You See Him? That's the now one. Now You Don't. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw it on there and thought, hey, it's for kids from Mary Poppins. Yep. And I thought, that'd be really funny because it's called Gnomemobile. Sorry, Tim. It's... um. To be fair, you know, we've had a lot of these films where the titles have been really good and then the film has been nothing to do with what the film's called. Yeah. Or it's been very clickbaity. But I feel like at least this film was quite literal with its title. Yeah, pretty much. We got what it said. It just was very boring with it. And there's a bit of a few credentials behind this. So director is Robert Stevenson, which he did I on the Top of the World, didn't he? Was that him? Was that the director, sorry? Yes. Really? Yeah, let me take a quick look. I mean, the thing is, though, with Disney, like, sometimes they just hire anyone who walks past at the right time to direct yeah. it. It doesn't make much difference because yeah. it's all basically set up for them anyway. And this is the last film that Walt Disney personally had something to do with in his lifetime. Like, <laughs> that you oversaw it. I like the fact that the last animated film he worked on was um, Jungle Book. Yep. So that tends to get cited as his last work. Mm. And I can understand why, because if this was his really his last work, if it was my last work, I wouldn't want to be credited with it. No. So, yeah, he did direct Town at Top World, but do you know what else he directed? What? One of our dinosaurs is missing. Oh, fuck off. So he's... And Mary Poppins. So as you can tell, he's wow. really fucking inconsistent. I, I mean, it obviously must depend on what he's given to work with as well, because... Uh, yeah. You've got two very big budget films there, which turned out pretty good, and yeah. two absolute duds. Yeah, Bedknobs and Broomsticks as well, right. and uh, one of the Herbie films. Well, yeah, so there you have it. So he's been around the around quite a while then in the Disney company, as all these people tend to have yeah, stuck it, around. It's this weird golden age, post-golden age of Hollywood where they just have to work for the same people, even though that's not allowed anymore. Yeah. So let's just let's just crack on. Okay. Yeah. So this is film was nineteen sixty seven, an hour and twenty one minutes. For well, like seven hours and a million minutes. It it felt. I'm going to call this one feeling short long, like nothing happens, but it takes a long time for nothing to happen. Believe it or not, because of the amount of times I had to pause this, 
It took me all night last night to watch it. I did think because you texted me when you started, and then you texted me when you ended, and I thought that's that's been a long time for I, such a short film. I, I, had, I had a break for dinner, then another couple of breaks, I and mean, then I had an idea for a video. Turns out it was a shit idea, <laughs> but I took a break for that as well. So I watched this um, whilst Kirsty was at work, and I'm very glad I did because I didn't really. I'm glad I didn't. Sub- yeah. You know, submitted to because otherwise she would marry you, so you she could get a divorce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Let, so the film then. The first thing that springs to mind is probably my favourite credit yet in a film. Okay. With the two kids, yeah. <laughs> I actually uh, introduced as the Mary Poppins kids. Yeah, I've actually been uh, tweeting about this this week because oh. it's made me. I absolutely wet myself when I saw it because obviously we on- you only picked the film because it had the Mary Poppins kids in. Yep. We was talking all the time about the Mary Poppins kids, and then literally on screen it calls them the Mary Poppins kids. <laughs> I was just uh, yeah, brilliant. Well, part of the film. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they work together again after this. Um, so the little lad, he actually uh, died in his 20s. And I this, saw this, yeah. Yeah, so this was actually his very last film. I didn't realise it was his last, bloody hell. Yeah. Because I read he died at the age of 21 due to complications caused by hepatitis. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, he like, just randomly caught it off something and, yeah, just died age 21, which obviously is really sad, but... I mean, I, I can't, sorry, I can't remember the names now, but did the girl ever go on and do anything else? Um, back, she w- back to IMDb again. <laughs> she, I think she cameoed in the Mary Poppins sequel, Mary Poppins Returns. I mean... I've not actually seen it, though, so... Mary Poppins Returns? Was that the uh, one that was recently? Yeah, with, oh, with yeah. Emily Blunt. Oh, yeah, okay. I was about to say, bloody hell, did Disney do a sequel to that all that time ago? That would have been a bit... No, Well, she... that would have been my choice for next film anyway. But I can't think of seeing her in anything in particular. So... Uh, but, but then, you know, she might have, she could have been in 40 different live-action Disney films that no one's ever heard of. So having Seems a, to be the way of it. Having a very quick look, no, not really. Um, you scroll down and... By about six in, she's like doing an episode of Jack and Ori. Right. Stuff. So she also did a film called The Three Lives of Thomasina, which is a Walt Disney film, by the way. There's a massive cat that looks like Daisy on the front cover. Right. So I'll add that to the probable contenders for future episodes. And she was in a version of the 39 Steps, but there's like 28 versions of that. Yeah. And yeah. Bugger all, basically. There's like a bit of a Disney curse back in the day for the child actors where they'll they'll have one big starring role, maybe a handful of others, and then never work in film again, mm. um, which you don't get these days because obviously nowadays you get the Mickey Mouse Club, you know, your Miley Cyruses and uh, your Britney Spears is, yeah. and they just go on and become massive superstars, but it seems to be the opposite back in the day. Yeah, it feels like even back then... By the time we even get to a Disney TV, original like TV show on the channel, it's like, yes, we're putting everything behind them. These are future stars. I can't really yeah. think of many that don't go on to at least have a long career. Maybe not necessarily like A-list, but... Yeah, like, I mean, when we did the pe- when we watched The Parent Trap, um, Lindsay Lohan is introducing Lindsay yeah. Lohan, and they make a big deal of these, but, you know... And we give her two roles, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that too. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of multi-rolling... There is um, 
we one of the other credits we have um starring Walter Brennan as DJ Mulro- Mulrooney. Sorry, Mulrooney and Walter Brennan as Nobby. Yeah. So we've got a bit of uh, multi-rolling happening in this film. And that's all I'm going to say about that. For now, much. yeah. For now, yeah. I we see- also, in the credits, find out Ed Wynn is in it um, as Rufus. He's a big star in the Disney sort of films that goes sort of... You know, he's not... Harold is a big hero, but he's... In all the best ones, so he's um, the laughing man in Mary Poppins on, who gets stuck on the ceiling. And is he the laughing man again here? Um, he is the laughing man here. Yeah. He's also the Mad Hatter in um, Alice in Wonderland. Awful lot of laughing from this man. He's got a very um, recognisable voice. A very recognisable laugh too. Yeah, but this was his last film as well. Oh, bloody hell. Because he died... Pre- oh, sorry. He died um, before the film even came out. He he. De- it took a while for this to get from production to release, and he. It was nearly a year that he'd been dead when it finally made it to cinemas. Oh dear. But yeah. Out of death's here, did John Landis direct it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, we we learn as well that Disney can't take all the uh, credit for this bomb because uh, it was based on a book. Because, of course, it was. Disney only makes films that are based on books. Many people write books. You know, <laughs> don't mean raw quality. Where Disney do uh, can take credit is the fact that they read this god-awful book and decided to make a film of it. Yeah. The actual visuals behind the credits, um, it's a car... Well, it's Cruella de Vil's car, yep. essentially. It's a black-and-white, old-school um, motor. It's actually a Rolls-Royce, though, this yes, one, isn't yeah. it? Um, but it's driving through the California Redwoods, hmm. um, which take a prominent role in this film. Yep. I mean, this bit was serene, did its job. Nothing too exciting, but yeah, it was fine. I think the main thing that I took away from this film was it kept reminding me of lots of better things in my life. Or things that I've seen. So, like, um, the color. Like the outdoors and going <laughs> yeah. out there instead of watching Nomobile. <laughs> well, the California Redwoods, um, there's this really good YouTuber called Justin Scard, which I follow and subscribe to. And he's just done a, a series of videos and vlogs from the California Redwoods because there's, oh, because there's all sorts of, um, old school um, roadside attractions down that road. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's called the Redwood Road, and it's quite famous, and it's kind of... It's a bit like Route 66 in its kind of folklore and place in uh, old school American culture. So, if you've not seen it, I would really recommend his channel is just called Justin Scarred. But yeah, he does some really good videos on that, and it's literally been over the last couple of months that he's done them. So they're that's, easy that, to find. That sounds just incredible. Ha 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 ha. Lol. Mm. Anyway, we seem to be talking about credits quite a lot. Is this to avoid the actual film? Yeah, that's it. That's all I had about the credits. I told you I had quite a lot of notes this week, considering how short and boring this film is. Yep. So let's go to... We're introduced to DJ and his around his cronies at his big, massive office with lots of cars and all the money that he's got. Mulrooney Lumber. Yes. He's a lumber merchant. And he's paid all sorts of uh, things for a million uh, dollars each. But uh, despite being as rich as anything, um, his office is just a painting. Yeah, well, it doesn't even. It's not even three dimensional. (laughs) It's this massive, massive room. But um, rather than build the set, it is. Like half of the room is just a painting. It's very weird. Yeah, that shot. If there's a lot of matte 
work going on here. Yeah. It helps to cut around the corners, which we'll get to more later on. Yeah. Um, and anyway, he's going to pick up his uh, grandkids from the airport. Yeah. Um, and wouldn't you believe it, it's for Mary Poppins' kids. <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? Mm. Yeah, so before he picks them up, he's got all his cronies around him, one of which is called Ralph. Um, I, I quite liked seeing this guy because um, he was played by Richard Deacon, um, who's actually in the Dick Van Dyke show. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's another link to Mary Poppins. Mm. Uh because, yeah, he plays the character Mel, who is... Dick Van Dyke's character is a comedy writer for a TV show, and Dean is the producer. Um, and he played a similar role to what he does in this, which is just, like, constantly, like, a bit annoyed. <laughs> that was his his entire character role, was a bit annoyed. Was the Dick Van Dyke show quite meta, then, or is that just a bit too soon for it? Not in every episode, but in a lot of episodes, they like to do bits of vaudeville and like singing and, and silly skits. Mm. And so having him as a comedy writer gave the show a reason for him to be able to do all of these things. Right. So they, they used to host a lot of dinner parties for the station. So like if they were trying to woo a new like celebrity... They would all get invited round to Dick Van Dyke's house, and then the three there were three comedy writers. There was him um, and two others, uh, a, a female and a male, and they would all do all these silly skits and stuff um, to impress these new people quite a lot. Mm. It's a really good show. It was on Netflix um, up until very recently, and me and Kirsty like binged like the first two seasons. Right, okay, and considering its age, it was surprisingly. Not crap. Fe- not offensive. Right. There was very like there was a genuinely quite decent relationship between Dick Van Dyke and his wife and his colleagues and stuff, and like there wasn't too much sexism in there, mm. which is very surprising for the era. Yeah, I mean, it's like the same era as like Honeymooners, where most of the gags were about him wanting to beat up his wife. I think that was a bit later, wasn't it? I don't. I don't know when was the honeymooners. Because I, I thought it was fifties. Is Dick Van Dyke oh, right. show fifties? Yeah, Dick Van Dyke sort of mid sixties. I think. Oh, okay. It was in black and white, but it was still sixties. Yeah, yeah. There's a really, there's a really good episode, which is all about it's satires, um, the dance craze of the twist, which obviously <laughs> would have been current at the time. <laughs> but um, they they create their own dance called the Twizzle, and it has like its own terrible song for you to called do the twizzle but me and Kirsty often will like and the dance is literally the twist like it's so it's not even satire it's just this is the just, twist but me and Kirsty will start singing the twizzle song every so often because even though it's satire it's actually quite catchy a song sure. <laughs> yeah i think uh when i get home i'm gonna open up final draft and for the tim henton show there's gonna be this <laughs> new craze called dibbing <laughs> everyone's gonna dip at each other is this because of me posting about my dabber today yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bought um a new a new dabber which is the hindi word for a spice tin <laughs> just because i do a lot of cooking and i've got three now mm. i've got too many spices how many sausages have you got left in the freezer oh we're working through the sausages we had toad in the old for tea last night okay uh, and we had sausage casserole the other night so we're actually getting our way through. And I've donated some uh, sausage casserole for Tilly to go in her freezer as okay. well. So we're getting there. I'm surprised when I opened that drawer earlier on, wasn't a pack of sausages in there. <laughs> if you open that wardrobe, they just fall <laughs> on you. It's just like a, a tidal wave. <laughs> <laughs> Lincolnshire, Lincolnshire sausages everywhere. Anyway, uh, DJ 
he picks up her kids and he's very rich and he has loads of vehicles. Yeah. But he drives a Rolls Royce, which apparently is a hunk of crap because yep. he likes it. Although at the end of the day, it's still a Rolls Royce, isn't it? Yeah. But it's like an early model, isn't it? So even for the 60s, it's looking out outdated. Yeah. Annoyingly, in the very first scene, DJ mentions being Irish. But I was going to bring this up. Um, the kids are clearly English. Yeah. And <laughs> it was really pissing me off. Because I think Disney, or what Disney's just gone. Yeah, fuck it. S- same bit, isn't it? Britain's all the same. Yeah. Yeah. Ireland's not even in Britain. Fuck it. And, you know, he says he's Irish, and obviously he means Irish-American, but he speaks with a completely American accent. Of he? course, yeah. yeah. Um, even though, like, in the... You know, whatever, whatever. Let, let's not dwell on it, Chris, he says, having brought it up. Yep. Straight from the airport, the plan is that they're going to drive the Redwood Road to Seattle, where DJ has a meeting. Yes. Um, and remember, Seattle, very important plot point. Yes. And this is the point where they start singing oh. about DJ's jaunting car, as he calls it. Um, what was it jaunting car? As in going off on a little jaunt in my car. So... I would say going from one state to another is not a jaunt. I'd, I'd say that was... <laughs> I should start singing that when I go between North East Lincolnshire and, Link- and North Lincolnshire. Driving along in my jaunting car, my jaunting car, la 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 la. It's... Fucking awful, this song. It's as if the kids and DJ are literally making it up as they go along, as you probably would on a road trip. Um, so, this song, I find, is quite... And we'll get to the other song very shortly. It's a strange phenomenon with Disney, in that the songs where they're clearly half arse in it, and they don't have many ideas about it, they repeat the same lyrics over and over again yeah. and hope they're catchy. Condorman! <laughs> yeah. So this is technically the first musical we've reviewed on the main podcast, isn't it? I'm not counting this as a musical. Okay, because you actually texted me, didn't you, and said, yes. is this, does this class as a musical? And that- No, because I went the first one and I thought, fuck, did I pick a musical? Because I, I, I don't like musicals, basically. Yeah. There's very rare musicals that I like, so Mary Poppins, obviously, uh, the South Park film. <laughs> Um, oh, there was another one. Singing in the Rain's decent. Yeah. Spice World, obviously. <laughs> Good shout, yeah. Yeah. What part of them for? I was I was shocked because I was not expecting it to be a musical at all because no. we, none of the other films have been. But what shocked me most when I went on IMDb was to find out that these songs were actually written by the Sherman Brothers and. I don't know if you've heard of them. I've heard of them, yeah. Yeah, so the Sherman Brothers were basically Disney's songwriting duo for decades. I remember these appearing in that Mary Poppins song. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, because they appear in... Uh, um, Saving Mr. Banks. Yes, so yeah, yeah. as characters they appear in that. They wrote all of your favourites, like Ben Oms and Broomstick, Mary Poppins... Some of the animated films as well, like The Jungle Book and stuff like that, they mm. were hit makers. They're powerhouses. All your favourite Disney songs from that period is the Sherman Brothers. And honestly, the whole time I was watching this film, I kept thinking to myself that surely someone else has written these because they're so bad. Mm. And I don't, I don't remember seeing the Sherman Brothers mentioned in the credits at the beginning because I was checking. And then at the end, it, I was just so shocked to find out it was the Sherman Brothers. This is quite clearly them handing the homework with that 
only known about it five minutes ago. Yeah. This also suffers from something that I find in this period of the 60s and 70s, maybe the 80s as well, where Disney films with kids singing, they none of the kids could fucking sing. They were very uncoordinated again, and they weren't that fantastic in Mary Poppins, if I'm no, being honest. No, no. I wonder if it was the invention of autotune that suddenly made kids be able to sing. Because honestly, before the 90s, whenever there is an example of a kid singing, especially in a Disney film, they're always up off key, they're out of tune, they're not putting any effort in. I've, I'm not sure if this is like some sort of edict from Disney, just basically saying it's more adorable if the kids aren't perfect at singing. Maybe. So, so it's a bit like someone singing the school assembly and you yeah. all clap, and, but you're secretly thinking, bloody hell, they can't have the tune, can they? Yeah, they've I obviously think... gone for kids that are cute and can do a bit of acting and then singing is the yeah, thing. They're trying, bless them, they're trying. Yeah, we watched Pete's Dragon today, which is one of my favourites, and the kid playing Pete, he's a decent enough actor, but honest to God, he can't sing either. No. I don't know. It's just something that I've always noticed about Disney films. Johnson car, Johnson car, <laughs> driving along in my Johnson car. <laughs> so they stop for a picnic in Mulrooney Grove, which is obviously named after them because uh, DJ owns the land, um, which he brags about being, uh, you know, good for his preservation efforts. But at the end of the day, he is a lumber merchant. Yes. So fuck off. They will be chopping them down very, very shortly. And there obviously will be a, a, a small blip compared to the amount of destruction he's doing at the same time. Yep. So as DJ and Rodney uh, sit down to have a picnic, Elizabeth wanders off. Yep. And she sees birds, deers, trash pandas, day owls. Yep. And as she's uh, then walking along, obviously she doesn't see this, but the uh, raccoon starts talking. When she sees all the animals, she does this really big smiley grin. And I was like, something looks really off here. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And I was like, this, she doesn't look right. Looked at some pictures of her from Mary Poppins. And since Mary Poppins, she's had her teeth done. Okay. Uh, in true Hollywood fashion, even at the age of 10. Just... If you've, you've got to have all of your gnashes pulled out and straightened. That's just weird. I don't get it. It's just to make dentist more money isn't it yeah yeah but yeah it was something that really stood out for me surely like children are exempt from having i know the teeth butchered like that it's fucking depressing isn't it yeah i was thinking like oh well maybe she's a child you know maybe these are her adult teeth and then i looked and uh, mary poppins was only three years before this film so she must have gone straight from one to the other and they've just gone right you're gonna need all your teeth doing your british Ugly bitch. What, what film was I watching the other day? Were, oh, The Fly with Jeff Goldberman. All right. Spoilers for a future Cinematic episode. <laughs> His teeth just look bizarre. He, he must just had them done right before that. Um, before he shot that film. Just. It always makes me laugh how um, Americans make fun of British people's teeth, but I'm just like, your teeth just don't look real. It's basically like um, putting a fair and massive fake boobs on a woman. Yeah. It's just... It doesn't look real. No. It doesn't even have a semblance of realism. So what in in what way is that supposed to be attractive? Yeah. It's just throwing money away as well because you have to pay for, for it, don't you? Yeah, you do. And it becomes a status symbol. Mm. This so, yeah, film was animals. a kick in the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The animals talk and it's really weird because they've half-assed the animatronics well, and they all look like diseased uh, fun fair rides. To be fair... 
Disney invented animatronics. Full stop. They invented them less than a decade before this film came out. So I thought, yes, you could tell they were animatronics, but for the early Wild West days of animatronics, I thought they were all right. It looks like in a horror film, you know, when you like get a killer puppet, <laughs> and it, and the only thing that moves is its mouth. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was creeped out a bit by the owl animatronic because when it was still, it looked exactly like an owl, hmm. but, but then obviously it moved like a robot, and I worried that they actually did just like skin and gut it. Like strip out the insides of an owl and put it over it because yeah. it looked just like an owl. What this reminded me of as well, and I've got to be careful because I've not actually seen this film; I've just seen a gif of it. But there's a bit in a film called Antichrist, right, with William Dafoe, and I'm sure there's a like talking raccoon in that mm-hmm. that says something like "Everything dies." It's like a really dark uh, sequence. Well, all films dark, apparently. Yeah, remind me of that. So. Yeah, Antichrist, the film where I think William Defoe gets his uh, knackers chopped off at one point. Oh, lovely. Mm. Not seen it. Nah, neither have I. <laughs> I've stick to the gifts. <laughs> yeah. Not of that, though. But yeah, um, there's a young lad here called Jasper, mm. who's dressed like a gnome. And... Dressed like a bellend, if you ask me. Yeah, because <laughs> he, he is a gnome, yeah. And he says, could this be the girl? As if there's some kind of prophecy. But... Um, that's never brought up ever again. Mm. <laughs> do you do a read for note I wrote down here? What did you put? Robin Hood nonces on girl. <laughs> yeah, because he's all in green, isn't he? he he's is, staring yeah. from the bushes. And as well, because there's no person to put him into perspective, I didn't cotton on to begin with that he was actually a gnome. Oh, right, yeah. I know he was dressed a bit weird, but then, like, in the next shot, he uh, jumps out and then is in front of Elizabeth and is way shorter. And suddenly I was literally just like, oh! Oh, oh, right, you're the gnome. I honestly hadn't figured. No, I thought, in all fairness, I thought he was going to take her to the gnome. Right, there we are then. Yeah, so not very distinguished, but I think the problem is he's not got a red hat and a fishing rod. Yeah, and a nice white beard. Yeah. He's, he's not your stereotypical gnome, yeah. No. But um, as soon as he arrives and appears to her, she's completely unfazed, and he's just like, yeah, all right, you're a gnome. She's a tiny girl, though. Yes, yeah, but She's still at the age where that sort of thing is believable. And he calls her a doodine, mm. which is the gnomish word for a human, apparently. Yes. Um, I was expecting to hear lots more like um, gnomish phrases after that, but it's the only one that they use, isn't it? There mm. isn't much no, there isn't <laughs> gnome building. There isn't much world building for the gnomes, apart from I am a gnome, you're a doodine. There's no gnome building. No gnome building. So. Elizabeth is excited to meet Jasper and she grabs DJ and Rodney to introduce him. Yep. And for some reason, Jasper decides to disappear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't actually know why he no. does that. I mean, I know he breaks ranks by approaching him in the first place, like all the animals are complaining, like, well, no, what are you doing? Yeah. But then he just decides to hide and it makes Elizabeth look crazy considering she starts crying and saying, no, the gnome's over there. Ah." And her granddad's been really patronising as fuck. And he's just like, oh, he's just in your head and all of this and being like, 
I wouldn't go that far, but what would you do if you like your granddaughter said, "I see a gnome over there"? But um, the the way he says it is, it's not. You didn't see him with your eyes. You saw him with your eyes here, and points to the top of their head and says it's her imagination and stuff. Mm. But it's important because somebody does that later yes, in the film. Yes, yeah, an actual callback in this film. Yeah, no. And um, this is the point where, when we finally do see Jasper, DJ says something which is supposed to be Irish. An Irish exclamation. I haven't checked how real or just made up racist this is, but he says, Shawnee O'Shan Shillelagh. Well, Shillelagh is like a stick that you use in. Oh, what, what's their version of curling called? But that Shillelagh is an actual word. All right, okay. I know that much. I know that because of wrestling. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a stereotypical Irish character who had a leprechaun as his sidekick, obviously. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, who had a shillelagh and he used to cheat to win by hitting people with it in like the back of a leg. Yeah. It's hilarious. A, a note that I put at this point was the ki- the boy is still eating his uh, lunch and he literally doesn't know how to eat a sandwich. He's like, <laughs> he's holding it like forward in front of his mouth and then just like <laughs> eating. He's just taking chunks out of the bread, but not the filling. Like, he's really weird to watch back. I'd have found it hilarious if, like, he somehow ate it, so he, the bread somehow, like, missed his mouth, but he got the middle. Yeah. And he just, like, this bit of nose, like, bridging, a bit of bread bridging upon his nose. Yeah. So, Jasper takes the team back to his grotto, um, where we see his grandpa fading away um, because he's lost the will to live, because he's lost the hope of Jasper ever marrying. I was like, oh, fucking patriarchy. Mm. Here we are again. But. In all fairness, what it actually means by that is the two of them are the last of the gnomes in this forest. So yeah. he, he, Jasper literally has no one to marry. No. So we'll Not, let him off for that. Unless he marries his grandpa. That'd be a bit weird. <laughs> for procreation purposes, I don't think it'll do very much. You don't know a gnome's anatomy, do you? Well, that's true. So DJ agrees to drive the gnomes to another forest because he feels really guilty yeah but not before uh grandpa gnome goes on a massive racist rant about dudines yes he does and how he shouldn't trust them um and base and blame says that they chop up the forest and sell it um and dj's all, oh no no we wouldn't do that despite that literally being his job yes <laughs> so yeah because he's feeling guilty he says he'll transport these gnomes um which is why that we end up calling his car the gnomobile so here we go, song number two. It's very The Gnomobile. The note I put was bad, 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 bad. And the song's like, The Gnomobile, Gnomobile, drove along in a Gnomobile. The Gnomobile, the Gnomobile, hunting for gnomes in the Gnomobile. Sooner or later we feel that we'll find where they are with the the gnomobile, the gnomobile, hunting for gnomes in the So again, it's a song you could just make up if you are on a drive. It's literally the same word, I and mean, then a couple of other words in the third line. Yeah, that's it. And it was at this point that I remembered that um, the actor for DJ and grandpa who was called nobby by the way yes um I, this is the point where i realized that he was the same character at uh, the same actor sorry yeah because there's a bit of a car where dj and nobby are talking it's basically a guy talking to himself yeah but um one thing that was said on um imdb is the actor what was his name william brennan yeah so william brennan he liked to have two types of roles he 
as he used to say, which was roles where he had his teeth and roles where he didn't because he had false teeth. And so whenever he was playing an older character, he would usually take the teeth out for Mm. the role. Um, So he was very fortunate in this film to be able to play both because Nobby does not have any teeth. I mean, he's pretty shit at both. Yeah, this that's the uh, extent of the IMDb knowledge about this film. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck to put anything else up there. So. No, I mean, can we say now, like, the Nobby performance, character, the whole package, just excruciating to watch. Very mm. difficult to hear, understand what he's saying yeah. as well. So maybe he shouldn't have removed his teeth, to not, be fair. Not really. And it's quite a cliche character's play as well so it's not like he's like it's basically someone's drunk racist grandpa yeah it's kind of western prospector meets leprechaun yeah dj says that he'll take them to uh, fifty thousand acres of virgin forest tomorrow and they're very excited because if, if they're gonna find gnomes anywhere it'll be there virgin get it <laughs> <laughs> and uh this is when nobby actually outright says that it was chopping down of the trees in the Redwood Forest is what killed all the other gnomes, so DJ feels really guilty. Yeah, and uh, this is where Nobby says, Timber! Yeah. Like, 11 times, shouting it louder and louder each time, I'm just thinking, what am I doing in my life watching this? There's one scene, one section in this scene where, and it all happens really fast, and a car or a truck reverses out into the street, so DJ has to veer past it, and the gnomes fall off the chair, mm. and then everybody gets back up and just continues talking as if nothing happened. And it's like, why the fuck did you put this in then? Because it's a long scene and I needed to break it up. Yeah, but the the action takes literally two seconds and yeah. is dealt with in two seconds. Mm. It's so pointless. It's a bit like how in a novel where someone starts banging on for page after page like in a dramatic monologue, so we get the character that is speaking to say, indeed, uh, every like once in a while just to break it up, but it's the same scene. There's a book that I read ages ago called Gormenghast, um, mm. which is this sort of um, fantasy-ish oh, novel. There was I, a TV show about it as well. I think I read the first 400 pages of this. Yeah, I read it up until the point where the teacher... The main, the headmaster is courting this woman at a party, and four chapters later, he's still taking her for a turn round the garden. And I was like, "Fuck this!" And that was when I stopped reading it. That sounds about right. I can't remember a single thing about it now. I just remember buying it on a recommendation of someone. You, you get it through the post. Yep, about a thousand pages. Okay, and it just. B- the BBC did a mini series of it, and it is really good. Mm. Um, and I re- like really weird. Um, Because it is a weird story, and I remember really loving that, so I bought the book, hated the book, and then when I went to uni, um, I actually got cast in a play of Gormenghast. Okay. So that was pretty cool. Well, did you spend like 30 minutes wandering around the garden? (laughs) Yeah, just to get into character. Yeah. No, I was um, cast as, we had like a chorus that was all um, workers around the castle that were all a bit weird, so I did a lot of sort of clowny stuff mm. so it was just a lot of dicking about on stage really the clowny stuff the, the clowny cl- stuff of going around doing some clowny stuff clowny yeah. stuff clowny stuff dicking around with the clowny stuff yeah maybe what if we have this Sherman brothers <laughs> um so they I've just I'm, you've lost the will to live already I've lost the will it's been a week I just want I've nearly finished my Guinness as well yeah so the kids try and narc on DJ 
Yeah. For being, you know, the Mulrooney uh, bandit, basically. <laughs> yeah. And he manages to get away with it there and then. They drive up to Cedar Oaks, Cedar Creek Hotel. Yep. Which is a Mulrooney Hotel. So he's the owner of this as well. How many things does he own? A lot. It's like the Jeff Bezos of the day. And Jeff Bezos started with uh, his business selling books, which are made of paper, which is made of trees. Ah. So maybe he is Bezos. Yeah, perhaps so. Yeah. Um, As soon as they arrive at the hotel, um, a a badly painted van appears behind um, for Quaxton's Academy of Freaks. And I was like, all right, so we've got a villain then. Fantastic freaks. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Fantastic freaks. It's, and he's got the bowler hat and everything. And it's in, is it a child snatcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Yeah, or it reminded me of Doc Terminus from, uh, again, from Pete's Dragon. Um, he's the bad guy in that. Cause yeah. Because he, he arrives in like this ve- brightly painted vehicle. So yeah, it reminded me of that. Maybe that's more what I'm thinking of, to be yeah. fair. Yeah. But in the hotel, um, the concierge is telling them that they can't have pets because they've tried to sn- smuggle the gnomes in, in a picnic basket, but the gnomes are making lots of noise, so yeah. everyone thinks that it's pets. Until, obviously, they realise that it's Mr Mulrooney, so they're a bit, like, starstruck to see him. He can do what he wants, he's rich. Yeah. Nobby goes apeshit when he realises that it's Mulrooney, because he knew Mulrooney was a lumber merchant. Yeah. So once he hears the name, he starts going uh, feral, pretty much. Um so they have to cover it up with a little handheld radio so people can't hear it. Mm. But Quaxton ain't stupid and he knows something's going on. Yes. Um, Although what does get his attention is that they claim that it's some geese that can lay golden eggs and all that lot. Yeah. So it's like, ooh. <laughs> this, come on, guys. This isn't the million dollar duck here. Yeah, no. There's <laughs> taxation on those ducks. <laughs> yeah. So they get them to the room and again, Nobby's still losing it. And Quaxton is peeping through the windows yeah. to see what's going on. And I literally, I know from the plot, I know what Nobby's angry about, but I could not understand him at all in this scene, what he was saying. Not really. It just was a load of noise. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't um, know if it's intentional or not, but he, you couldn't understand him. I think it's intentional in that it's supposed to be funny, but it's not. Yeah. Quite clearly not. And DJ, quite rightly as well, basically like washes his hands of him saying, yeah, well, I'll get you back to the forest tomorrow morning when I'm done with you. Yeah, let's go home. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, and so he leaves the girl with the gnomes whilst he goes to fill up the car with the little lad. Yeah. Um, with petrol, not the little lad. He doesn't <laughs> fill up the car with the little <laughs> He, he takes the little lad with him. He fills Rodney for unleaded. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> They're watching, like, the girl and the gnomes are watching TV and it's a documentary and it's showing the Redwoods and everyone's like, oh, brilliant, we know what that is. And then we see some lumberjacks pulling it down and again the gnomes go apeshit. Mm. I was a bit like, we've seen this now. A bit bored of it. It's all done. And why would you put this documentary on? It's like having a children's screening at a cinema and showing Saw. It's very uh, very contrived for it to be on the night that they're uh, fleeing the Redwoods as well, it is, isn't it? yeah. Sorry, Rob. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. <laughs> I think they've already done this. And I think because they're only running at an hour 20, they're just doing it again because yeah. they can. I wondered and if it was um, actually footage from an earlier like Disney uh, wildlife documentary or something. Oh, it could have been. That they were re- Oh, well, same, same documentary where they threw all the lemons off a cliff. <laughs> yeah, that's the next shot. Yeah. Timber! <laughs> <laughs> and just to point out as well, this begins... 
the longest diversion in a film, I think, with review to date. Yeah. So, bear in mind, the plot is they've got to get these gnomes to another forest for reasons. Yeah. So, firstly, we have Quaxton ringing Elizabeth up and saying, Ha ah, your granddad's been in a car accident, might be dead, lol. Yeah, come quick. Yeah. So, she runs out of the hotel, crying her eyes out, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and, she, well, she discovers her granddad's all okay. But in the meantime, Quaxton nicks the gnomes for himself. Yep. And then, so as a result, DJ now, for ex- for some reason, instead of going, well, I wanted rid of him anyway, he goes apeshit because someone's stolen his property. And no one steals from a rich guy. Exactly. <laughs> so he calls his uh, right-hand man at home, Yarby. Yep, so this was Ralph Yarby, so it was the guy... From the Dick Van Dyke show yes. I mentioned earlier. Yep. First of all, in a only only the slightly funny bit of a film, he starts going off about how they've gone and all this lot, and it, quite rightly, Ralph thinks it's someone's kidnapped the children. Yeah, DJ kind of the way he describes what's happened, he just assumes that everybody knows that gnomes exist, and it's like, come on, nobody know you know nobody knows that gnomes exist. Yeah. Ah, oh, knobhead forgot to turn his phone off. Silly boy. Who's mm. who's texting me at this hour? Nobody knows. Oh, uh, it's Kirsty asking if we need to treat the swimming pool. God, I sound so posh as well when I hit talk about whoa, this whoa, house. Whoa. There's a swimming pool. Did you not have I not said that? No. So in the far end of the building, just over there, yeah. Tilly has her own hydrotherapy pool. Oh, okay. So it's not like a pool big enough to swim in. No, 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 okay. But it's like a proper pool with like a pump and treatment stuff and things. Like a very nice built-in jacuzzi. Kind of, But yeah. it's not its own tub, it's like actually built-in. It's, it's, thing. it's great cause, um, because it's used for hydrotherapy, it gets heated to like bath temperature. Oh, yeah. So when you get in, it's lovely and warm. Mm. But um, yeah, Tilly's not swimming this week, so it's time to put some chlorine in it. Okay. Well, it, I know. Whenever I talk about what I do for work and living here, I always think I sound like really posh because I live in a big house, but it's all thanks to Tilly's NHS payment, so mm. we've got no we've actually got no money. <laughs> Just a big house. And a hydrotherapy pool. And a hydrotherapy pool, which costs a fucking bomb. So um Yabi quite rightly thinks DJ's lost it because he's ranting about the gnomes going missing. <laughs> yeah. So his idea is instead of getting security, his private security in, he's going to have a uh, member of security, but it's a counsellor in yeah. disguise. A psychiatrist. Yeah. Yes. Um, so basically they're going to trick him into going to an asylum. <laughs> yeah. Um, why not? Which is not where I was expecting this film to go, to be honest. What is this film? No, I don't know. I've got... So you it sets up as if it's going to be a road trip movie and then we make one stop on the road. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and spoiler, we're not even getting to Seattle. Spoiler, we're not even talking we've not even got any gnomes at this point. No. There's a long stretch without any gnomes in it. Yeah, and so DJ talks to this guy about gnomes and it's quite clear that is crazy. I mean, it's not to us as a viewer, but the way he's ranting and raving and threatening violence and everyone, I'd section him. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure what rights of I suppose the woman who appears, 
who's uh, babysitting the children. I guess she's signed any rights uh, to lock DJ away because otherwise that's just plain old imprisonment. Yeah, we talk a lot about. Oh, you twat! Still didn't turn it off. Mm. Wait one second. Right, silent you. Right there we go. So we talk a lot about um, absent parents in Disney films. And how it's easier to and cheaper to have a dead relative where necessary. We don't even know where his fucking grandchildren came from. We don't know what their parents are or who they are. Who's missing them now that they've disappeared and they've been kidnapped and all this shit? Yeah. Like, have they got any parents? Where have they come from? Well, we've got parents who can afford plane rides i guess unless but, unless dj paid for the ticket you never know i uh, could do could do he's rich he's got millions of dollars he's got Rolls voice i'm sure in a in a early draft of this script their parents will have died in a tragic car crash so they'll have uh, had to move in with their rich uncle who they'll have died in a tragic logging accident yeah <laughs> they... oh, no, killed in a alleyway by beavers killed in a car crash and then the first 30 minutes of the film was DJ trying to convince them to get in this Rolls Royce with him because they're traumatised yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so we go to the asylum which is called Five Oaks um, <sighs> there's a psychiatrist asking him about gnomes um, and yeah he's masquerading as his security team but this is the point where he patronises DJ using the same dialogue as DJ gave to Elizabeth yeah. earlier um, right, do you see him out there or in here points to brain points to brain so of course DJ gets committed and then we cut to the kids in a hotel room with um, what I'm assuming is an assistant from the lumber company Yes. and Ralph calls to tell her that DJ's been committed but the kids are listening in on the other phone so they escape out of the bedroom window to try and help him and they steal the gnomobile yeah okay so Rodney's now driving yeah I mean with Elizabeth operating the pedals because yes. he's too small but yeah and I put a, the, the boy has such a weird energy in this film the whole time I got the vibe that he was like pissed or stoned or something he was playing it very lazily and I guess that's an instruction from the director he's, but yeah he's got very heavy eyelids he's, yeah he's got a very pasty complexion as well he's incredibly laid back he just the whole film i don't know if he's got a cold or has, he just looks drugged just like whatever yeah i don't know maybe he already had hepatitis by this point nah <laughs> i maybe he's just you know doing it for the crack money yeah, you can never be too you too young to get on crack in Hollywood. Yeah, so they arrive at the institution um, and they take the tools out of the car because they don't know what they're going to need. And the boy scales the building, leaving the girl behind because uh, girls can't uh, save people and go on adventures and climb and do physical man stuff. So she has to stay put. So yeah, Rodney decides to casually scale a is it a five story building? Yeah. We don't really see it happen either. He's just suddenly on the roof. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> hell. That's a bit, bit much. And uh, we get one of my least favourite movie tropes, uh, which is a security guard, guard dog doing exactly what its job is and shouting to tell the guard that there is an intruder on the roof and the guard just ignores the dog. Quiet dog. Yeah, which, like, it happens in every film... Which is only because it's convenient for the 
plot of the film, but that security guard doing a bad job. I mean, why do we just not have a dog? Yeah, good dog, well done. I'll say we have security where I work, but there's not a security dog there. You can always have, you know, you have the dog shout, you have the kid hide, then you have the security guard look and not find anything and everything's fine. But no, it's always, oh, just ignore the dog. Yeah. It wouldn't have made... Taken much longer. What does he know? He's a dog. Fucking idiot. (laughs) Yeah. And we hear DJ snoring through the window, and he is snoring a lot. I think this might be my second most hated sequence. Oh, good lord. It's. So, this is a two second joke. They stretch out to two minutes. Yeah. So, basically, Um, he throws the hammer to wake him up and basically hits his granddad with a hammer. So, then they saw they saw in the bars off the windows, but they're trying to still make snoring noises, and it's just and that's not to attract attention to the guard on the other side of the door. And but I mean, you, I'm not sure you watch this, but I had headphones on. I was watching on the TV, and it was a disgusting noise. Yeah, it's gross, in- incredibly phlegmy. Yeah, and it's. The loudest sound effect in the whole film, as you say, it goes on for a good five, six, seven minutes, and that's seven minutes longer than it should have been. Yeah, it's fucking awful. It's it it was making me cringe. This whole scene, Mm. uncomfortable to listen to. Yes, hated it. Yeah, though this was the most. I mean, we've had apart from the racist stuff, which makes your skin crawl in, like one of our dinosaurs is missing. This is the second most uncomfortable a film has made me but at least it wasn't for an extended period yeah that's true so dj he tries to whack tough by saying oh yeah i'm not afraid of climbing this roof and he looks a bit scared haha i mean you automatically know when we start scaling down the drain pipe what's going to happen next yeah obviously rodney does it just fine because he's a kid he doesn't hardly weigh anything yeah but when rodney does it uh when dj does it oh you better believe that the drain pipe's coming away from the wall yeah so they do finally escape. This is a and that just to know as well. Is it hell of a bump that he takes? Yeah, right, yeah. right through yeah. a glass house. Yeah, and he makes a point of oh, just my luck. I found a load of petunias. They smell nice. Just like you don't even see any shards of glass around him. It's really weird. I keep thinking of making a without a mouse uh, like bingo card. Um, and one of the things that I think needs to go on it is people surviving what should have killed them. Yeah, and that was definitely a. a Score for this bit, yeah. Um, so then they're driving away in the gnome-mobile. The gnome-mobile, the driving gnome-mobile. along in the driving gnome-mobile. Driving along in the gnome-mobile. Um, and they're trying to figure out who stole the gnomes. And this is when um, Rodney remembers that the f- guy with the freak show had given him some free tickets earlier. So they actually have the address of where Quaxton will be is this, hiding out. Is this contrived? I I think it's contrived. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I think they need to come across another clue instead of saying, "Oh yeah, how about that weird guy in the hotel?" There could yeah, have been I many weird it's guys. A lo- it's it's a long reach, isn't it? To yeah, yeah. go with this guy. But anyway, they go to the freak show, and this was a there was a great shot where it's kind of first person from inside the car, and we see the headlights of the car panning across the actual um, circus grounds. Yeah. And it was the only... 
I mean, if I have a couple of decent shots in there, I didn't mention it earlier on because I forgot, but like there's that shot early on with Elizabeth running through the forest before she, she discovers Jasper. And like for a load of like map paintings and, you know, studio, they do yeah, a, a really good job of it. And for that, for, that's the thing, you know, as we know from Mary Poppins, Robert Stevenson can direct. Yeah. But it's just quite clearly... It, having this, the right material. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, we've seen some good matte work as well, because like, and at the top of the world, that had some great matte painting work, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Some of the backgrounds. And yeah, as you say, same guy directing. Yeah. So they go into Quaxton, Quaxley, is it? Quaxton. Quaxton. Oh, I got the name right. Fantastic. I think it started writing Quaxley at one point. Um, In the caravan, but his staff are there with a shotgun. This scene made me uncomfortable a bit as well. So you've got his staff is a man and a woman, I assume husband and wife. Yeah. And the husband and DJ start manhandling her back and forth yeah. to get or not give out information. Yeah. Very of its time. You, you see that now and you think, hmm. Yeah. And th- this scene is just for them to then f- reveal that D, um, Quaxton is not here and he's left for his cabin. Yeah. And it's a very it's a very non-scene. Like, nothing really happens. And I don't understand why his cabin couldn't have just been at the freak show. I was about to say this. I think it would have suited the Quaxton character, who at this point, Andy, will remain quite a bland, almost faceless villain. Yeah. At least if you add the element of a freak show, you could play around. I mean, I'm not sure how extreme you could go with Disney, but you can play around with that freak show element a bit. Yeah, it was a very good way uh, of getting us to the freak show without seeing any of the freak show and leaving straight after. Oh, there was so much opportunity here for the uh, gnomes to talk to other freaks, you know, like a, a yeah. three-legged a three-legged woman, yeah, a rabbit with a top hat on, and yeah, and stuff like that, and they just don't do it. It's bizarre. Yeah, it's it's the classic thing of this podcast where the concept is completely underutilized. Yeah, to make a quite a boring movie. Um, I don't get why he had to have a freak show then. Why couldn't he just like really wanted to nonce some knowns or something? He, he could have just been an accountant. Yeah, <laughs> but um. The they stop at the gas station. Um, the only significant thing looking back is that they managed to get like two gallons for seventy four cents or something daft like that. Those were the days. Those were the days. Then we get to the cabin, and again we see the gnomes inside, and we get this shot of a deer um, looking in through the window. And again, I thought this was going to be then that like the animals were going to come to their rescue or something yes. because we've already established that the an- animals can talk. And then nothing comes from this deer looking through the window either. No, they don't do anything with it. Uh, no animals appear again, if I remember correctly, no, they don't. in the whole film. Yeah. So instead, it's the gnomes that help themselves out. Grandpa manages to get out of the window. And then it's Quaxton and Jasper in a bit of a skirmish for several minutes. Yeah, there's some uh, decent effects work, lots of hijinks. This was one of the better scenes. I'd say so, yeah. Um, um just using some good special effects and yeah, and stuff like fishing line as well. 
Yeah, so it, I, it's made to look like Quaxton's reeling him in on a rod. rod yeah, yeah, again, there was a lot of potential <laughs> here in terms of like maybe a Jack and a Beanstalk or a Borrowers to the latter day example sort of thing going on. His Borrowers latter day? <laughs> well, it's compared to this. Well, yeah. They should have made a lot more of that size advantage, I think. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's basically like a David and Goliath, you know. The guy is, you got the guy who's smaller, but he's also got other abilities that the big guy doesn't have, but they don't really play on it that I think much. This particular scene, I think, is adequate with that play. The problem is, the rest of the film is not adequate. No. Like, we never get any sort of play on the fact we see the gnomes stood around people so we see they are small but we don't get any uh playing with that at all apart yeah. from in this one scene so the mulroonies finally arrive um and manage to leave with jasper yeah they hang uh quaxton on a on uh, the moose's antlers that what? hung up on walls and we never see him again what accent did you think quaxton was supposed to have um i honestly can't remember now from watching it i thought Maybe like a dirty sort of New York, Boston sort of accent. I thought there was a bit of Irish going on as well. It was very confusing. Because that was Irish as DJ is. Yeah, I know. Like, there's so much sort of skirting around Irishness in this film without actually having much. It's just weird. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because as well, we have vague talk very at the very beginning of um, about leprechauns because mm-hmm. DJ, when, when she's talking about when Elizabeth is first talking about the gnomes, DJ brings up leprechauns from back home. So first of all, he says that he's seen leprechauns, then doesn't believe her when she says there's a gnome. Yeah, pretty much. Weirdo. Well, at least he didn't go with potatoes and shamrocks just to complete the set. Yeah. Just to point out, I got quite bored at this point and decided to watch the rest of the film in times 1.5 speed on VLC. How do you do that? On Because I acquired it by other means and I told you that I acquired it and for some oh, reason yes. you yep. wanted to buy it on YouTube anyway. You fool. I can't watch a film sat in front of a laptop. I have and I can't be well, asked. Get a up- sodding USB stick and plug it into your TV somewhere then. Yeah, I might have to start doing that because my goodness. I like buy a HDMI cable, plug it in your laptop, and jobs are good. And when you've got things that are more convenient than that, I just feel like just doing that anyway. Yeah, so they arrive, they leave with Jasper, and they stop Ralph, who was DJ's dude, who is now obviously trying to chase them. Yep, arrives at the gas station from earlier. Um, sees them drive past so he drives off quickly and rips the pump out so there's petrol going everywhere and the poor attendant's trying to catch it in a bucket and <laughs> oh do you know he's, ha- he's losing his livelihood <laughs> having previously worked in a petrol station this was giving me palpitations this <laughs> you know how you are with all of your uh, health and safety stuff yes like, this whole sequence i was just like oh my god that would be the oh, i'd hate it because like i know how dangerous it is a petrol station in general mm. right the amount of things that can go wrong mm. that's one of that's another film trope that does my head in when people are just like having shootouts in a petrol station <laughs> 
which happens way more times than you'd think in film. Yeah, it does. And it's and like not many explosions as a result of it. Sometimes no. there is, but not that many. No, there's never an explosion. Or people talking on using your cell phone or your mobile phone in a gas station is very, very dangerous, but people don't think about it. How is it? Because there's potential for vapors to be in the air and you've got an electrical current in your hand. Okay. So there's nothing stopping the two from meeting and causing an explosion. That makes sense. So it's all... Even little things like that in films just drive me mad. Anytime anyone's on the phone. Because we were supposed to shut everything down if people were on the phone. Because at the end of the day, the risk of it happening is very low. But if it does happen, you blow up everyone in a mile radius. Mm. So it's like risk and reward there. (laughs) So Once, actually, last thing. Once, we had some teenagers just smoking out front on the forecourt. Nice. That wasn't fun. And we... We were like banging on the window and being like, stop smoking, put that out. And they were being like teenagers like, what, I can do what I want. And it's like, no, you'll kill everyone. Yeah. You'll literally kill everyone. Mm. So that was fun. Well, you do get out of your shotgun and you think, oh, shit, no. I had to, I had to literally go out and explain to them that they could all die. Yeah. And that's when they went, oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. They thought that we were just being, you know, like, teenagers shouldn't be smoking and that's really not the issue <laughs> adults yeah their starch shirts yeah so next in the film we get our car chase Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> every film's got one yeah almost and it, this scene was all right it was weird again in that dj's car he does okay they do establish earlier on he's a bit of a shit driver but he gets overlooked on his side yeah whereas Ralph and his goons just keep crashing into everything. Yeah. And DJ at this point man is just like park up the side and have a fag because uh Ralph's just destroying his car all on, all on his own. Yeah. <laughs> there was this great bit where um the girl points out to DJ that why don't we just show them that Jasper is real yeah. and then all the conflict of the film will be resolved and DJ's just like I'm not proving to anyone that I've not lost my marbles. It's like, oh, well, all right. Be a stubborn twat and we'll carry on the film then. And another minus one off the score. Yeah, it was like... It was just... It was pointing out its own flaw and then not providing a reason to stop it. It seemed obsessed in making sure Ralph got his comeuppance for being concerned for his friend and having him institutionalised, even though... He was quite justified in doing so because he was talking about fucking gnomes. Yeah. I, I don't get why the, this story wasn't... Oh, after this... But you have a car chase because there's a misunderstanding when he goes, <clears throat> hey, look, here's a small guy. Oh, bloody hell. How about uh, I help you get you to the gnome palace or gnome forest, wherever we're going? Yeah. But, nope, just... Ralph crashes his car a few times. Ha, 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 we don't see him again. Yeah, we escape Ralph, which is good. Or is it the end, Chris? Because now we finally get to the uh, these Seattle. virgin woods in Seattle. Was this actually Seattle? I don't know. No, he wasn't Seattle. No. <laughs> they forgot about Seattle, didn't they? No, we never got there. No. Um, but um, we find Nobby, who has found more gnomes, which is great. More like Nobad. And Yeah. So Edwin's character turns up as... Um, what I've put as he look, he was basically dressed as mayor of the pimps. Yeah, pretty much. So he's got like L- laughing lots, a lot, lots of purple, a massive chain round his neck and everything, lots of feathers in his hat and yeah. everything. It's like Dumbledore who was a pimp. 
So um, lots of old gnomes turn up. So we get we start to worry that maybe there aren't any women here. Yeah, it's a bit of a sausage fest again. And he's literally like, you want girls? I got girls. I'm a girls salesman. And then lists all the women he owns as all of these women come out of the tree. Again, I think that's a brothel he's got. <laughs> yeah, he literally treats a, his... Uh, a tree brothel. Yeah, he treats them all like cattle. It's pretty gross. Mm. Um, but it's what I'd written is it's like 20 Tinkerbell wannabes turn up. He, and he lists the names of every single one of them, and it's just like it's quite clear whoever wrote this went to a strip club. Yeah, and um, as they're panning across, DJ says to the kids, "Girls are so silly, don't you think?" And then Elizabeth says, "Which one do you like, Grandfather?" And Rodney says, "I like them all." Blech. To every part of that, right. Pack it in, Rodney. Your balls haven't dropped yet. You couldn't <laughs> yeah. use it anyway. Why is Elizabeth asking her granddad which prepubescent gnome he fancies the most? Well, <laughs> yeah. What if there's a hidden subtext there? Mm. <laughs> Edwin's character is basically just like, pick a bride now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> I said it was like um, the Take Me Out gnome special. This <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly this. Let, yeah. let the tinker see his bell. Mm. <laughs> I, I actually wrote that down as a note as well. That wasn't off the cuff. I do apologise. Mm. <laughs> it's been a long week. Shall I edit in some tumbleweed there? Edit in me hanging myself. <laughs> All right. But yeah, um, there's the the gnome at the end is called Violet, and she proper fancies Jasper. She's, she's bashful. Instead of like smiling with her teeth everywhere, she's a bit more coy, a bit more. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. But then Edwin, um, at this point, after literally saying that he had that Jasper had to pick a bride and say which one he liked the most, then reveals that in their culture. And these, this is the exact line he says. I think I've got this note down as well. It's not the male who picks a mate, it's the she-male who picks a date. So, a couple of questions about this. I need to scream into a pillow right now. Okay. Tim is reaching for the pillow. <coughs> Tim has successfully screamed into the pillow. So, question one, and I completely <laughs> forgot to do my research here. <laughs> So, was the term she-male, which obviously we now know is a not very good term, <laughs> was this a known thing back in the 60s and this was a dirty gag that was placed in there by Walt Disney? So, Edwin, I know, is renowned for ad-libbing and making things up on the fly. He's also a very old man at this point. Right. So I honestly think there was no intent, intent of derogatory he, terms for a transgender person. He thinks the gag is instead of he, I'll, still, I'll say she because it means the same thing in his eyes, but and it rhymes. Is yes. that the gag? Yes, I think that is the gag. But oh, good lord. I, I nearly spit my tea out when I heard that. I was mm. not expecting that in a 1967 film. By Disney for children. <laughs> I mean, you never know. This is, this is probably... you, you, you've got no idea what's going on with genitalia down there. You know, maybe that one line is the reason why you can't get it on Disney Life app. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I have to pay two forty nine on uh, YouTube. Can you imagine? Like, they're only on YouTube because there's something like really wrong with them now. 
So I wonder what was wrong with Gus. What was wrong with Gus? Uh, um, I mean, many things. Yeah. Maybe. maybe uh, I think there'll be like one Eastern European country where like kicking a, a mule kicking a football is some kind of really offensive like metaphor for something. Or maybe the horses are uh, nay were like in horse language casually racist. <laughs> yeah. So to choose Jasper's mate, they throw him in a bubble bath. Yes. Lube him up. Yes. And then make them all chase him. And whoever then holds him at the end, he will marry. What the fuck is going on? Um, again, to re- reiterate, I watched this at times 1.5 speed. It was at th- two times speed to begin with, like this section. Yes. Um, it- and somehow this felt like the longest scene I've ever seen in my life. At the point when the film should be wrapping up, it's just like, let's have an orgy. Yeah. This is Beatlemania on crack right now. It is. It's crazy. And this whole chase thing, so like, literally as like the bell or whatever sounds for the games to begin, this goes on for eight minutes. Yeah. And basically it ends as we thought it might, that Violet wins um, Jasper by holding on to him. But at the halfway point, there is a bit where Jasper and Violet are by themselves... No other women around. He says, like, grab me. And she hesitates and decides not to grab him. And I th- the only reason I can think for this is that women are crazy. Yeah, pretty much. And it was like, literally, they repeat four or five times where she grabs him. But, oh, no, uh, she's pushed out of the way or something else. Yeah. And then the thing continues. This could have ended in half a sp- Half the time, but again, that means the film runs under an hour 20. Yeah. I think that's literally the only reason why this goes on for so long. And it's easily the worst sequence for me, because it's not really fun to watch. Just to make matters worse, none of the female gnomes get a single word of dialogue in the whole film. No, Violet doesn't even say anything either, does she? No, she doesn't doesn't get a line. Um, She's just eye candy. Mm. And then finally... Uh, to celebrate, DJ um, deeds the gnomes um, 50,000 acres of virgin forest in the Redwoods yeah. and agrees to take any of the young gnomes that are paired up to go start a new colony in this wood. Yeah, oh, but bear in mind, Violet and Jasper are now married because yeah. they won. And our final scene is a reprise in the car of the gnomobile. The gnomobile. The we're gnomobile. Driving, we're driving along in we're the gnomobile. We're driving along in the gnomobile. The gnomobile, the gnomobile, we're driving along in the gnomobile. My jaunting what about car, my jaunting car. car. It's the same song in my jaunting car. Shall we go to Seattle? No. <laughs> and that is the end of this film. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. <laughs> so, Bye. <laughs> so again, um, I'll go first, just because I tend to tell you to go first, and we need to even it out a bit. Okay. Um, bloody hell, we're back to form with this podcast. Mm. Things to say about this: very, very dull plot, dull characters, underused concept. It's mostly about the interactions between the people rather than the gnomes. Whenever there's a chance for something exciting to happen, they don't take it. The male kid is just weird and looks like he's on something. Um, Very badly acted him. Um, The most ineffectual baddie of the entire 
run that we've had so far. I'd say so, yeah. Quaxton is barely even in the film. He's just a single roadblock, which it takes up far too much time, but despite him not being in it, barely having a motivation. Obviously, he's going. the motivation is he's going to put these gnomes in the show, um, but we never see that implemented in any way. Uh, and then they try and make Yabi the bad guy for some reason, even though his actions were justified all along. Yeah. Very weird. And then, like, finally, just the ending is just absolutely bonkers. I've never seen anything like it in a film. Um, and as you say, it just keeps going when the film should be wrapping up. You could put the Benny Hill theme music over it. You absolutely could, yeah. So, as much as I hated the whole film, it's one of those things where if you can find just the ending on YouTube, I would absolutely recommend watching that, but that alone. Because it's just mind-boggling, the end. Fuck it, I'll I'll upload it. Yeah. I've acquired a copy of it. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck you, Disney. I'll, you know, copyright strike me all you want. Yeah, so that's my thoughts on it. What about you? It was shit. It was utter, utter shit. So, gems then. Well, it break the top five. Da, 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 da. 3.1. Point one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 3.1. Oh, dear. I, I still don't like the point something. I know you don't. That's you, why I'm getting more more ridiculous with it. You've got to be more definitive than that. No, definitely. It's so thirty-one out of a hundred. Essentially, yeah. Okay. Three point one or not point three one out of one. Just get on with it, Chris. What's your score? Two. <laughs> so <laughs> it's only it's the second worst film we've seen. It's. Marginally better than one of the dinosaurs is missing because it was only vaguely racist towards humans themselves, which is fair enough. We are awful people. You know, all this wonder on this earth. And what do we do with our time on here? We watch the fucking Gnomobile. It had some bits that were all right, but literally those those 3.1 points I was giving it were just for those few and far between scenes because the rest was just dog shit. <laughs> it is for bits that were alright. The bit before I started watching the film and the bit afterwards. <laughs> yeah, so um, I've figured out a great way of keeping score, oh, yeah. which is an online list bit of software. Yeah. So you can drag them around when you've... Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, that's cool, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it puts... The Gnomobile is... Um, Better than one of our dinosaurs is missing, but it's not as good as the computer wore tennis shoes, and I think that's pretty accurate. I reckon so, yeah. So it's second to last is what we're second saying. Second to last, right right down there. Yeah. yeah. Um so when it comes to scheduling, we missed out a recording last week because you were busy. Yes. So next episode, if that's alright with you, we're going to do a decombobulated. Okay, yes, me, that's fine. So next episode will be slightly different. It'll be one of our Disney Channel original movies that me and Kirsty do um, and it's called The Swat so if you fancy watching along beforehand, you can do. Um, so then technically that's my pick week and the next pick will be, you said you had a Halloween suggestion. 
God, are we already on Halloween picks? We are already on Halloween picks, yes. But it's August 22nd when we're recording. We're just being very thorough and getting our recording schedule sorted. Bloody hell, I I didn't realise we were that far ahead. I should take more weeks off. Yeah, so... Relax um, a bit. Am I right in thinking you said that you've actually picked something? I have, yes. Okay, so here you go. Tell us what it is. I hope it's a Disney film. I hope I remember this correctly. (laughs) So, if I remember this correctly, and it is a Disney film, we're going to do a review of Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh. Do you want me to ch- double check? Yes, please double check before I make an idiot of myself. <laughs> I'm sure it's a Buena Vista film. You should have warned me, Tim. It is indeed a Disney film. <sighs> Nailed it. Boom. Never heard of this one. Quite excited. The novel is one of my favourite novels, actually. All oh, right, cool. It's it's very much a coming of age novel, so it's like one that I read when I was a bit younger, and it stuck with me. A bit like uh, The Outsiders by S. E. Hinton, that same thing. So, oh, uh, Kirsty watched The Outsiders the other week. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a very good film as well. Yeah. Um, Francis Ford Coppola, I believe, and yeah. with Nicholas Cage in one of his first roles, is like a background character essentially. Oh, I never saw him in it. It's got Patrick Swayze as well. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, but I think Nicholas Cage like literally stood in the background during one of the uh, brawling scenes. We actually had um, someone on Instagram suggested Halloween film for us. Oh yeah, yeah, Mister Rips Twenty Three on Instagram made a couple of suggestions for us. Yes, but obviously I said that you've already made your pick, so it'll have to wait till next year. Sorry. He's also made a suggestion for a film for us to watch coming up. He hasn't referenced whether or not it's because it's a good film or a bad film but next time it's my pick i'm gonna go for that one so yeah thanks for uh following us mr rips 23 i suggested he check you out because he's a big fan of the simpsons and wrestling oh fantastic so if you've had anyone add you this week it might be him i think i have actually yeah it was yesterday he messaged me so if you've got a new i'm, I'm sure i've got a new follower on here let me just check my twitter because it's very rare I get new followers now. They just unfollow me because I don't post enough videos. <laughs> like, I, I posted a uh, selfie me in the gym the other week as my pro- new profile picture. And I lost 30 followers. Wow. Yeah, Mr. Rips added me yesterday. There you are, then. Hello, Charles. Oh, is that his name? Charles Music. I couldn't tell if he was an English wrestling fan or an American wrestling fan. I think he's in Anaheim, California. Oh. Bloody hell, that's a new one to add to the list. Uh, of uh, where people listening to us from, including Bolton. He um, followed us because I liked a, a picture of his, because he posted a picture of Peach Dragon. Oh, fair enough. So it just goes to show that Instagram works for publicity. Yes. Because he's told me that he's going to watch, listen to some stuff. And where can we find you on Instagram, Tim? Huh? See what yes, very good. So on Instagram, we are... At without a mouse, um, which is mostly pictures of my cat, um, but we do, do a bit of promotion here and there as well. Mostly, I just post pictures of um, conversations that you and me have over Twitter because, oh dear, like whenever one of us is watching these films, we just get mad at each other, don't we? Yep, we do indeed. Um, and where can people find you on the Tinterweb? Oh wait, and yeah, the Twitter stuff. Yes. So my personal Twitter is at TimbalsRH, and the podcast Twitter is at PodWam. I've only just got that RH as your initials. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the other day I was thinking, what does RH stand for? Ross, really? Ross Hinton. Yeah, really? Horny. Hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it was factual, it would be that. Yep. <laughs> 
So where can people find you? You can find me on the Twitters at Kids That's S W O L. And at the minute, I still have a blog, kidsswell.com, where I just basically talk nonsense about a load of stuff, more personal matters and all that lot. But not like dark stuff, but, you know, (laughs) my my interests. Wrap it up, Chris, wrap it up. (laughs) Stuff like the open web and stuff. Bye. (laughs) I can't believe we've managed to talk about this for an hour and a half. I think we need a medal. I think we need sectioning. I think I need another beer. Let's go. Hiding for gnomes in the gnomobile. Sooner or later we feel that we'll find where they are with the gnomobile. In the gnomobile, the gnomobile. Hunting for gnomes in the gnomobile. Sooner or later we feel that we'll find where they are in the gnomobile. As we ride along through the countryside, we're keeping our peepers open wide. Looking to find where she may hide. Beautiful gnome for Jasper's pride. In the gnomobile, the gnomobile, we're hunting for gnomes in the gnomobile. Sooner or later we feel that we'll find where she is in the gnomobile. Oh, the gnomobile is a grand machine, the like of which I have never seen. But you're going too fast, you think you gain. When I look where I'm going, that's where I've been. In the gnomobile, the gnomobile, we're hunting for gnomes in the gnomobile. Sooner or later we feel that we'll find where they roam in the gnomobile. In the gnomobile, the gnomobile, we're hunting for gnomes in the gnomobile. Sooner or later we feel that we'll find where they roam in the gnomobile.